The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 13. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 13, Episode 5. We're already halfway through this season and my word, it has flown. First and foremost, a huge thank you to everyone who reached out following last week's episode, The Good, The Bad and The Devious. And one thing's for sure, last week's episode, for whatever reason, prompted a plethora of emails from you wonderful listeners with your own true paranormal experiences. And yes, now is the time to send in your experiences for The Dark Paranormal Season 14. Yes, we're collating them already. And if you're planning on submitting your true paranormal experience, there is, as usual, only one request. Please ensure it fits at least six pages of A4. And what I mean by that is four single sides of a Word document. That basically ensures that we get at least half an hour's content per episode. But here at The Dark Paranormal, we collect all sizes of paranormal experiences, And if your experience falls short of that measure, please still send it in. It will still find an audience with our Patreons over on Dark Bites. Speaking of our wonderful team over at Patreon, as I said last week, we're going to start reintroducing people's names at the start of the show who signed up for our Patreon, so that you don't have to wait until the end of the show to hear your shout-out. When you sign up to our Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you also get early releases for the minisodes, for debuts and for finales. Not only that, but of course you can gain access to our exclusive Patreon podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which runs each and every Sunday of the year, even on the downtime between seasons so it means you never miss your dark paranormal fix. Plus, as it stands, there's well over 60 hours worth of Patreon-only paranormal experiences for you to go and binge. We've built our wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. 
just like the following wonderful new team members have. Jen, Sandra, Alison Prevert, Daniel Chapman, Craig Peacock, Stephanie Monsave, Emily Ackerman, Stella, Hudson Lewis, Nate Harris, Jeelan Ballard, Shadow Girl, Ian, Andrea Campbell, Tyler Flaspola, Hoffman Dauphin, Julia Atkinson, Brandon Seok, Noah Coop, Sophia Engzel, Darren Lass, Emma L. Lay, Just Me, Cassandra Stock, Brianne, Royzen Roberts, Nia Gray, Savannah Hill, Willis Stevenson Roydia, Jamie Helbert, Sean Henches, Creepin' It Real, Callum Smithy, See No Evil Blood, Krista Woodford, Miguel Paolo, Chris Highway, Lisa Sangalang, Mary Joseph, Karen Cliff, and Bo Coy. Thank you so much for the support, guys. It really means the world. So if you'd like early, ad free access to every episode, plus access to Dark Bites, the Patreon-only podcast, why not become one of our exclusive team members and head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. Now, before we take a dive into today's true paranormal experience, I need to give a quick trigger warning. There are mentions of suicide and suicidal attempts. And I'd like to reassure everyone before I share this submission that the submitter is fine both physically and mentally. Now, I've sat on this submission for some time now, and I think the reason for that is because it takes place in modern day. If someone was to have sent me this submission and state it was from the 1900s, you would have heard it by now. And it made me aware of a bias that I must have subconsciously had towards experiences like this that take place in the modern age. There are parts of this paranormal experience that seem far too terrifying to be true. But as I've said myself many a time, if you believe in the hot, then you must believe in the cold. By that I mean, if you believe in the ghostly grandma paying you a visit with a smile on her face to say everything's okay, then you automatically need to believe in the darker side. Biases make up a large part of who we are. And if I was about to tell you that the following experience was a famous one, that it had been made into books and TV, we would listen to it through that lens we've given ourselves and in turn have a different experience than when I tell you that it's not a famous case. And indeed it's not, but it is truly terrifying. And it's from one of our listeners, Destiny. And right now, it's time. Lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about nine-tenths of the law. I'd like to start off by saying all of the stories on your show have been very inspiring for me to tell of my experience. Even if this doesn't air, just knowing that I finally have the chance to tell someone, someone who's actually interested and will believe me, is a comfort to me. This is the only place I feel I can send my experience to. I know that seems rather desperate of me, but genuinely, this is the only place. I'm Destiny, and despite being a young adult, I have a very long and interesting experience that, in all honesty, no one, especially a child as I was, should have to deal with. This experience isn't just about a poltergeist throwing things around, 
or making my life more miserable than it already was. No, uh, this is about haunted people. The experiences I'll share today have taught me that people, no matter how holy they may believe themselves to be, can be controlled by evil spirits in their day-to-day lives. So without any further preamble, this is my experience. I was born in a small town in the state of Georgia, Thomasville. For context in the future, amongst the elders of the town, it's believed that if a child is born a year after their grandparents' death, they will be spiritually gifted and sensitive to that realm. The first few years of my life were semi-calm. I lived in a small apartment with my mum and dad, and my younger sister, who I'll keep anonymous. It was very quiet and friendly for the most part. The kind of town where everyone knew everyone, and people were very close. The only downside to living there was that I was getting bullied, which caused me to develop depression at a very young age. But everything quickly went south when we moved. My dad began training for the state patrol, which meant we had to move upstate. We'd moved into another small apartment in Clayton County, and my life was changed forever by the following events. My time living there was the beginning of the loneliest years of my life. During the day, I would go to school and daycare, and I had no real friends. I had tons of older friends, which forced me to mature faster than most girls at my age. At night, I would endure constant yelling fits from my father, and unjust whippings from both parents. My mother, whom I love so, so much, was the first person that I felt. What I mean is, I felt exactly what she was feeling, and I knew why, without even asking. And I've had it, this ability, ever since. It's both a blessing and a curse, as I can use it to help others through hard times but it also caused me unbearable pain. Some days I couldn't even feel my own emotions, unless it was sadness or anger, due to the overwhelming waves of feelings coming from others. I would often find myself having what felt like a mental breakdown, or suddenly bursting with happiness. It's something I still haven't figured out to this day, All that I do know is that spiritual gifts run deep in my family bloodline. I'm of indigenous and African heritage, and I feel connected to the spirits of the earth. My gift is empathy, visions, and what I describe as spiritual communication, meaning, yes, I can communicate with spirits. Being so empathetic worsened my depression, but it also introduced me to the concept of auras in spiritual realms, 
I began researching witchcraft and watching those haunting videos on YouTube as a fun little way to escape reality. Well, that was a horrible mistake. You see, not long after researching this, I noticed I was seeing dust people. Not shadowy figures. I mean people who were made of dust. This would occur every night as I lay in bed restless, watching them run past my room, back and forth every night. There was always a lingering fear of being watched, of being never truly alone. A few months later, concerningly, I began talking aloud to myself. Not like I was talking to myself as I was doing something, but having full-on conversations. I would even pause and then respond as if someone was actually talking to me. This was when I began hearing her. I, being new to the whole idea of the spirit world, made the terrible mistake of naming her. Her name was Yuen Myung, which translates to the Korean version of my name, Destiny. But we'll worry about that later. Let me tell you about her. She was another version of me in my eyes, but evil. She'd hurt people in ways that still haunt me, and the people I hurt. One time in middle school, a boy pulled earphones out of my computer. I was already pissed off because people were throwing things at me, which I was trying and failing to ignore. So, I hit the boy a few times, and as he was running away, I jumped on his back, wrapping the headphone cord around his neck, and pulled so hard, I knew she was trying to kill him. Another time, I smacked a boy so hard, it left a red print on him and he was rolling around on the ground like he was on fire. At first, I thought it was my horrible temper, and feeling immediate remorse would turn myself into teachers, only to be met with no consequences. Then I realized that I had little to no recollection of what happened, until they told me what I did. You see... When she took control, whenever she took over, it would not end until she was satisfied, until she was finished. We'll revisit this later, because there is a part of the story I really need to get to before we go on. We moved from the apartment to the house I live in now. This place has a lot of history. For starters, it's built on top of the Simpson Mill plantation land. In fact, the big house still sits on the corner down the road from where I live. Now, with slave plantations come ghost stories. And there's a local legend that says if you go and stand there around 3am in the morning, 
you can see the ghosts of slave men and women who will stare at your car with blank eyes, but only if your lights are on. So that gives you some context about where I live and why it's so creepy. In my house, there's a staircase that leads to my dad's office, and in there, a little door that leads to the attic. My parents told me that a man died up there, and that when they first moved in, their covers had been snatched off the bed. At first, I was sceptical, but then, one of the first nights my sister and I were there, I saw him. His name is Mr. Ellis, and he's rather calm. He doesn't do much, but there are two other spirits. Twins, and they are mischievous. They throw things off counters, flicker lights, and will even imitate the coughing of your loved ones. This happened to both my mother and I a few weeks back. But let me take you back to the beginning of my stay here. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When we moved here, things plummeted instantly. Internally, I became unnaturally angry and borderline suicidal due to hearing the voice of what I believed to be demons and spirits. I would attempt to kill myself over five times and life would only get worse. I kept diving deeper into magic and strange... I kept diving deeper into magic and straying further away from Christianity. I felt that it was God's fault that everything was happening to me. Externally, I would find myself restraining myself from the impulsive urge to stab my family to death. Over the slightest inconvenience. I wasn't a spoiled brat or anything, and I'm not even able to think about it without crying. So it was strange that I would be smiling whilst holding a knife and thinking of murder. My relationship with my mother would also see a huge decline as I began cursing at her, spitting on her and my father's belongings, screaming how much I hated them. But one thing I could never do was look in her eyes. I would burn, sweat and snarl at her whenever I did. Then once I'd snap back, I'd break down, hugging her, telling her it wasn't me, it wasn't me, I'm so sorry it wasn't me. That's all I could say over and over again. Whatever it was felt demonic. But this hadn't been the first time my mother has dealt with demons. According to her, she spoke to the devil himself. Let me explain. My mother works for the DDS, or the Department of Driver's Services. 
They issue licenses, permits, IDs, and more. Around a decade ago, an asylum on Thomasville had closed down, and the patients that were deemed safe were released. When they were released, they needed ID and licenses, etc., so they went to the DDS. My mum was working at the front line, so she was the one helping them get their ID. As she's working, an elderly black lady walks in, and everything's going well. She's a bit fidgety, but otherwise okay. Out of nowhere, she begins cursing under her breath. Then it progressed, and my mum stopped, looked at the lady, and said, I'm not talking to you, addressing the apparent thing within her. I'm talking to this lady, so you sit down and let her speak. The lady was calmed immediately afterwards and behaved the rest of the time. That story always reminded me of the power my mother holds. My mum would often pray over my sister and I as we slept, and nothing out of the ordinary would happen, except for one night which I'll never forget. From my recollection of things, I only remember the last part of what my mum explained. She said that she'd been praying, and I instantly shot up from my bed and said, The list. She and my sister looked confused and asked, What list? To which I said, The list of people I want to kill. She told me I lay down and then got up and walked to the bathroom. Now, if this happened, you'd think I'd remember what I did, right? But here's my version of events. I fell into a deep sleep, and I had a list of names, and at the top of it, it read, The People I Want to Kill, in bold red. I then remember waking up to an empty room, and the bathroom light was already on. So I got up and I walked to the bathroom and then went back to bed. The next morning, as my mum was driving us to school, she told me what happened. And I was so confused. And it still confuses me to this day. I will never thoroughly understand what happened. As the years went on and I was in middle school, things were somewhat consistent in behaviour. But there was one new thing. Visions. These visions became prevalent, and it wasn't helping that I had precognitive visions of my grandmother passing, and when she did, everything worsened. Despite that, it wasn't until later that I saw a real shift. I became close with a girl. We'll call her Tiffany for privacy. Tiffany was a beautiful, fun, extroverted girl who I liked, and we were inseparable. Tiffany was super into spirits just like me, and we bonded from that. We'd talk about all the crazy paranormal experiences that we had and how we'd both handled them. She was great. One day, she shown up to school talking about how she'd played with a Ouija board and I immediately panicked. You see, when she walked in that day, I knew something was off with her. 
I sensed it. She said she thought there was a spirit of a boy with her, and that made it worse. I started hearing ringing in my ears, and I got a massive headache. Then he spoke to me. I told her that he was evil and needed to be gotten rid of, and thankfully she took me seriously and did as I asked. One thing about me is everyone trusts me with their paranormal experiences because I won't judge them or think they're crazy. In the beginning of one school year, the counsellor found out about one of my suicide attempts. Protocol required her to send me home, which had me scared, and rightfully so. Mum picked me up and it just so happened to be the day my dad got off early. I still remember it like it was yesterday. He came in and asked me why I was home, so I told him, and he proceeded to yell at me and threatened to beat me. My mum, concerned, asked what made me do it, and I told her she made me do it. My mum asked who she was, and I said, You and Myong. She had me write it down and instructed me to stop watching horror stuff. But of course, I failed to listen. As the 2020 lockdown started, I was forced to put up with my sister and father. I needed someone, something, to lean on. So I turned back to religion. And we lived happily ever after, right? No. Being religious after that means hell will raise itself up and drag you back down with it a million times before you can finally escape. Then I met my boyfriend, and I loved him from the moment I first spoke to him. He had a lot of problems spiritually, and I had to work extra hard to help him through. I spoke with literal demons to negotiate cutting him loose. I know, I know how that sounds. Fake as hell. I know. But it's the truth. I wish it wasn't, but it is. I wish the story ended here, but it doesn't. Over the next few years, I would find myself slipping in and out of darkness. One time, my mum came to pray over me, and I apparently started writhing and screaming, Let me go, she's mine. Then I growled, and once I came down, I cried, and she continued praying until I fell asleep. I thought it was all a dream, but no, it was real. She also remembers it. This was no dream. As of the past few months, I've become more and more sensitive to the spiritual aspects of my life. As my sensitivity grows, so does my acceptance of it. I consider it a gift. I still feel like it's dangerous for me to be sharing this, though. But it would feel great to have it read to someone by someone who won't dismiss it as me over-exaggerating. My experiences are still unfolding, but I had to share this. Ever since I began listening to the podcast, I felt a push to do so. As of recently, I've been much better. 
I feel happier in my relationship. And we're both Christians, so we're actively applying God to our daily lives. Sorry the story has to end so abruptly, but I get anxiety talking about my experiences in general. Please inform the listeners to never put themselves in the position they may be overtaken by an entity. Please. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Thank you for allowing me to share my experience. Well, that was the first email sent in by Destiny, and it got my mind wearing over a few of the things that she mentioned. Firstly, obviously, abhorrently, what she describes as whippings by her parents. And of course, threats of physical abuse by the ones who are meant to be protecting you. And although you could argue maybe these things are caused through paranormal means, my tolerance for parental abuse is zero. And I daresn't say what I believe should happen to people who do such things. But returning back to the paranormal, I was very interested by the comment about the power the mother held. And the father, when mentioned within the experience, seems exceptionally quick to anger. I then received a follow-up email from Destiny, which may shed some light on some of the goings-on. She writes, Recently, the paranormal activity has increased in the house. Objects are thrown around. We hear the coughs of each other when no one's in close proximity. A few weeks ago, my mother heard knocks inside the house when no one was home. She keeps hearing these knocks constantly every week. I hear footsteps in the attic, and missing items have been dropping literally out of thin air. One time, my parents lost a couple of screws and couldn't find them because they fell in the grass. Well... Not too long after, my mum saw those same screws roll off the roof. Now, as I've stated before, there are mini doors that lead to the attic. You may remember when I said a man died in my house. Well, the attic is where he died. You might also remember when I said he doesn't do much. Well, as of recently... That has changed. There have been objects from upstairs that have mysteriously appeared downstairs. I've been hearing my mum call my name more often when she's not home. And I've started to sense a presence in the living room and kitchen at night, walking all the way across the house. These were all disturbing feelings, but nothing compared to what happened last week. Last week, whilst I was asleep, I heard banging on my bedroom door and my name being screamed. When I looked at the clock, it was 7.40am. My mum would have already left for work and there were no shadows under the door. I went back to bed insanely terrified. I've learned never to respond to the call of those familiar voices, especially if you get a bad feeling. I don't know what to do right now, but I will say this, 
I've realised that whatever is haunting my family is latched on to my dad and is only active when the door to the upstairs office is left open. I'll be sure to keep you updated with anything else that takes place. Regards, Destiny. Well, Destiny, thank you so much for submitting your true paranormal experience. Now, I very rarely get a gut feeling about an experience, and I can't really put into words what this gut feeling is. But I'll very quickly regale a story from the amazing book Will Store vs. The Supernatural. Now I'm doing this from memory, so please bear with me. But hopefully, after hearing this story, you'll have a better understanding of what I mean. The book is non-fiction, and Will Store is a journalist and an atheist and also a sceptic about the paranormal. However, as part of the research into writing his book... He accompanies a pastor to a house where the lady of the house believes her daughter is possessed. Before they enter the house, Will is given some holy salt. Told by the pastor it will protect him if there's any evil entities there. The child has been claiming that a demon comes out of its bedroom closet of a night. However, after talking with the mother and the child, the mother leaves the room and the pastor turns to Will and whispers that he believes the mother is the one that's possessed. Will makes an excuse to go to the bathroom, and as he does so, he sneaks into the child's room and sprinkles a very small amount of the holy salt in front of the closet. Now, we all know the size of a grain of salt, and a very few grains of salt would be lost in a carpet, and at the very least, invisible to the naked eye. Will then returns to the living room and the pastor says he has all the information he needs and will return the following day to do a blessing of the house. The next day, the pair return and Will didn't even share with the pastor the little trick he'd done of placing the salt in front of the closet door. When the pair get out of their car and knock on the house, the front door is opened by a very wild-looking mother and a strong smell of bleach hits them both in the nose. They go in, they have a chat. She's very agitated, very nervous. Will again makes an excuse to go to the bathroom and, popping his head into the child's room, notices that the carpet immediately in front of the closet has been torn up. Not only that, but the wooden floorboards underneath have been scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed with bleach. And that's where the story ends. Now, I may be asking quite a lot to expect you to understand that that story encapsulates for me this gut feeling that I have from Destiny's experience. There's something, a tiny alarm bell that I can't quite put my finger on, but I thought I'd share it with all of you. And so that wraps things up for episode 5 of season 13. We're now heading into the final straight. And next week for episode 6, we have an experience the likes of which I've never heard before. And almost like an excited child, I've been waiting to share this particular episode with all of you. 
If you're a Patreon, I will speak to you again on Sunday for another instalment of our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. And for everyone else, I'll speak to you on Wednesday for another mini-sode. But until then, remember, when you're talking about the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, right here on The Dark Paranormal.